Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I f***ing love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that Boston next. Big jab there from Duffy and Fred Beer is hurt now. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Flory. Oh, I don't know where I am. I, I don't know where I am, but we are here. It is Monday, February 18th, 2019. I only know that because I'm staring at my computer. It is episode 191 of the Anik and Florian podcast. Ken Flo is back east. It is 10.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hit the red eye from Phoenix last night. Mental fog in full effect, but we trudge onward. Can flow what's good you, you know if you don't sleep it's basically like creating a tremendous amount of brain damage uh when you sleep i just wanted to let you yeah, know that, that, that you're, you're 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 encountering a tremendous amount of brain damage i learned that on an amazing podcast uh the joe rogan experience uh he had a, he had a really cool scientist on there talking about lack of sleep so i feel for you man you got to get caught up on sleep this week dude come on i, I I do feel drunk, right? The last few weeks of this podcast have been crazy, right? So I drove through the night after the Super Bowl and then did the podcast on no sleep. Then last weekend flew from Australia, some sleep, but I'm all fucked up, right? But TJ had Invictus, so we had to tape that show. And all due respect, you know, radio show's no good without a good producer. So, you know, we work around TJ there. And then, you know, business calls again. Hit that fucking red eye back from Phoenix I was thinking I should grab some proper 12 whiskey before the show because I feel like I'm drunk. So uh, You're a savage, dude. I don't know what I am. I know last week we did the first primetime episode in the history of the Anakin Florian podcast. This one feels like the first legitimately drunk one. Um, I still got to pay off that power hour. I will tell you, I had to pay off another bet in Melbourne uh, a couple weeks ago. I didn't talk about it here on the podcast. And that was a power hour as well. And I, I think I got like 57 shots in before oh, I bailed. But it was good enough for uh, the, the the winner on this side of the bet. So, I, you yes. know, I feel ready to knock out our wager anytime we can get in the same place. Um, crazy, crazy weekend in Phoenix. Uh, Arizona really loves MMA, Kenny. There were UFC fans everywhere. Huge spirit during fight week. I know the live event crowd left a little bit to be desired. And I, I would agree with that. But, man, do we feel the love in Arizona and people coming up to me. All they care about is the podcast, right? It, it really makes you feel good. So that was That's great. Awesome. Um, as far as this, this fight card and this main event is concerned, so for the UFC's three main events thus far in 2019, 32 seconds for TJ Dillashaw and Henry Cejudo. 
Zero seconds for Robert Whitaker and Kelvin Gastelum. The fight fell apart day of. And now 26 seconds for Francis Ngannou and Cain Velazquez. And each fight is its own entity. But as a sports fan, I get so jacked for these UFC main events. All three of those fights. Just so goddamn excited. And in all three of those fights, we have gotten 58 seconds of MMA action. Yeah, yeah, listen, I think as far as the Henry Cejudo and Dillashaw fight, that is just the way that that MMA goes, right? Yeah. I mean, the fight can end in an instant. That That's the thing. That's what makes it so exciting. Um, that's why you're at the edge of your seat. Um, and, you know, of course, we've seen over the years that mixed martial arts takes its toll on your body. There's a lot of things that can go wrong. Um, your immune system goes down when you're when you're making weight cuts and people get sick and there's injuries, obviously, with with just the nature of the training and in, in this sport. Um, and unfortunately, we experienced just kind of a freak thing uh, in this fight in, in Angano and Velasquez, where Angano landed a shot. It was a nice short uppercut um, and knocked Velasquez off balance and he tweaked his knee wrong. You know, it's just. It was really unfortunate because, like you said, this was a fight that I was looking forward to for a long time. And, I, you know, the result, whatever, you know, I got my pick wrong. Who, who cares? The, the big thing on this was we wanted to see a fight either way. And we it feels like we just never got it. And, and that's the problem with this one, right? Well, I felt more shortchanged with Dillashaw Cejudo, to be honest mm. with you. And I think we disagree a little bit on this main event, and, and maybe it'll make for some good conversation. So you tweeted and you just said that that he knocked Cain Velazquez off balance. See, I think it was a little more than that, right? I believe Francis Ngannou is LeBron James. He is a freak of nature. He shakes your hand, you never forget it. This is a once-in-a-lifetime type of physical specimen that I can't ever recall being around before. So you're right. He did not separate Kane from consciousness. He was never out, obviously, right? Um, but the nature of his power is such that it hurt Kane, resulting in the need to buckle. I can't sit here and say whether or not the referee stopped the fight because he saw the knee go out and he stopped the fight due to injury. Maybe he's gone on the record and addressed that or because he thought that it was the beginning of the end for Kane. Um, but I just think that for Francis Ngannou, maybe he deserves more credit for you know, some of the wrestling strides he's made. It's, again, a short sample size, this fight and the Blades fight. Uh, but I think that people are kind of taken away from the win a little bit. And at least when I see the replays, it looked like a clean connection to me. No, and, and it was. He landed the shot. He clearly uh, shifted the weight of a 240-pound uh, <laughs> heavyweight wrestler um, and, and threw him off balance. There's no doubt about it. Was it the shot that uh, knocked him out or separated him from consciousness even for a second? I don't believe so. Um right. And it, it, actually, if you look at one of the replays, as Kane is dropping and he's on his shoulder, he looks at the referee and says, my knee. Um, so this was before that, but before the end of the fight. So and clearly you see on the replay uh, of the stress on the MCL, the in uh, inside uh, lateral ligament, um, uh, lateral uh, ligament there on the inside of his right knee buckle. Uh, and again, that probably wouldn't have happened or most likely wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for that short right uppercut from Ngannou. Um, so you're right on, on that. I mean, it's not like he kind of just slipped and fell. It was because of the shot uh, of Ngannou and, and Ngannou does have that freakish kind of power. Um, but he, he wasn't able to knock out Kane last night and, and, and it's unfortunate. I wanted to see a longer fight. I wanted to see if Ngano was able to stop that takedown. He did have the ability to at least get an underhook and stop Kane from at least one of those takedown attempts. Right. That was good to see. But I think for a lot of people, we wanted to see, uh, can Ngannou, you know, do that for two rounds, three rounds, five rounds. Um, and for Kane, we wanted to see, hey, is this guy the old Kane or is he a new Kane or is he washed up Kane? And we never really got to have any of those answers. So that's why, you know, it, it left us or left myself, I should say, I speak for myself, uh, wanting for much more. No, I agree. And I do believe that Kane and he said it himself, and we sat down with him. I had the best 15 minutes with Cain Velasquez we've ever had. He was verbose. He was energetic. He was excited to be there. 
more so than ever before in his UFC career. This was a different Cain Velazquez that, than we had ever seen before mentally, physically, his body. He was never more confident in his body. I mean, I couldn't even get that out of my mouth before his body wow. gave out on him. I mean, it was just crazy how it all played out. But he just sat across from us full of conviction, and he just felt like Ngannou was very beatable with the right strategy. I'm just not sure how beatable this guy is, right? And I know Daniel Cormier thinks that this is a winnable fight and a good matchup for him. I can't speak to how is going to be energy-wise, even when a round begins on the feet round five in a championship setting, okay? But I kind of want your take on to what extent you agree with me that this is truly a man among boys, right? Just I, I am blown away by the physical stature and the presence of this larger-than-life human being, right? Like, So I want your take on that, um, and ultimately— what you think about his prospects against somebody like Daniel Cormier. Well, listen, it, it is clear that this guy has some God-given gifts uh, that are extremely rare, um, specifically in mixed martial arts. Uh, this guy is a mountain of a man. Um, he is built like a fighter. Uh, he has excellent speed, uh, amazing power. Um, and it seems like he truly is uh, fighting with this renewed energy and, and this idea of going out there and uh, having fun and, and not being gun shy. Uh, and, you know, we've been seeing that so far in his last fight against Blades and here against Kane. He is letting his hands go. He's moving very well. Um, and I think that there is a tremendous amount of potential in that guy. He just needs to continually train every single day especially on his grappling skills and uh, obviously his striking skills are always going to be there his power is always going to be there but if this guy is able to wrestle uh you're going to be in trouble and, and and that's a fight you know immediately when i when i saw daniel cormier's comments uh that he's like i'm not going to fight him i'm going to beat him right. um i at, at, at 40 years old or as he's approaching 40 now and, and DC being a smaller heavyweight, that's a fight that really makes me nervous. I mean, anytime DC fights, it always makes me nervous. You know, he's such a nice guy. We forget how much of a badass he is, uh, one of the greatest to ever do it. Um, and I imagine that if he gets in on the legs of Ngannou, um, he's going to go for a ride. I mean, uh, it, it, there's a big difference between even a high-level college wrestler uh, and an Olympic level wrestler like a Daniel Cormier, and with all the experience that he has in mixed martial arts, I imagine that he would give Ngano a tough time. But if he doesn't get there, if Ngano's able to catch him on the way in, and sometimes DC gets caught on the outside and on the inside, um, we saw what happened with Stipe Miocic. Miocic was landing some shots. Miocic does not have the kind of power that Francis Ngano has. And if he makes that same mistake, if DC allows Ngannou to land a few of those shots that Miocic landed early on in the fight, it could be over. That's something that makes me very nervous. Uh, Ngannou's fist is probably the size size of Daniel's head. I mean, it, it's it, it's amazing that DC has had so much success uh, at heavyweight. Ngannou's a proper heavyweight man. Uh, it, it's 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 Brock Lesnar's size, but with a dude who has insane kind of power. And uh, that's a fight that would definitely make me nervous, man. I mean, Ngannou is just such an athlete, right? I, I can't even imagine what type of American football player he could have been. I, I'm not even sure that if he applied himself for two years, he couldn't play defensive line in the NFL, right? And I maybe I'm overstating it, and I don't mean to take away from guys like Chandler Jones, John Jones's brother, who a couple off-seasons ago signed the most lucrative free agent contract at that time, $82.5 million, right? But I see Francis Ngannou, I see him, you know, Dudes like LeBron James, man, you know, and Cain Velasquez, if he's not the if he wasn't the best MMA heavyweight or the consensus best MMA heavyweight of all time going in there, he was certainly one of the top three. That's why Ngannou's been calling for this fight since he lost to Stipe. But that Stipe Miocic fight, there were a lot of learning lessons. The Derek Lewis fight is such a strange outlier at this point in time. Yeah. Right. It, it makes no logical sense. But the Stipe fight. You know, people lose sight of the fact that the last thing Ngannou was looking for was a way out. He did f stay in that fight for 25 minutes. He wasn't covering up, with all due respect, to guys like Frank Mir and Chael Sonnen who just, you know, end their misery and, and live to fight another day. Ngannou stayed in there for those 25 minutes. He has a mean, Absolutely. nasty streak, streak, right? We've seen him land an extra blow, Kenny, right? Like, he he is a, a, a classy beast, right? Like, he, 
he's a classy guy, but um, when he's in there, man, like referee's going to have to pull him off there, you, you know? So I, there's an am, animalistic uh, nature to him and uh, we'll see. Could be the first African born UFC champion sooner rather than later. Um, anything else on that fight, Ken Flo, before we move on? I do think Velasquez will fight again. You know, I don't want to read too much into the way he, he left the octagon under his own power and seemingly walking pretty well. Cause I know you can walk around with a torn ACL, sure. um, but hopefully the damage isn't too bad. He did say he heard a pop. So we'll see. Yeah. I, I actually tore my MCL. Um, I, I think, uh, who, who was I supposed to fight? Evan Dunham, I think. And I had to pull out of that fight. I tore my MCL training and it was a very similar fashion. Um, and for the MCL, if that's what it is, um, it, it's not something that they do surgery on typically. Uh, and you know, the rehab, uh, rest and, and he should be good to go hopefully in, in a couple months. So, um, yeah. my, my heart just broke for, for Kay Velasquez. He's yeah, such man. a good guy. He was so ready to go. Um, uh, he's been one of the most exciting fighters in, in UFC history. Uh, certainly one of the best heavyweights, if not the best heavyweight of all time. And, um, I hope we see him, see him again in the octagon soon. What's so strange for him is just that he put in the training camp of his life. Uh, he was, conceivably never more prepared than he was and his 36 year old body held up through a very intense training camp. Right. So for him, he's just out of answers, right? It's like, you got, just got to get through the training camp and then you get to shine on fight night and then the body gives out 20 seconds in. And it's been a few things, John, it, it, it's been his shoulder, his back has been yeah. really bad for a long time. That really has been the culprit and what's kept him out of the UFC for a long time. So the fact that he was able to, able to battle back from all of those things and we see a short fight like this against Ngannou um, just leaves a bad taste in my mouth and I'm sure in his and uh, I, I hope mentally and, and physically he'll be okay. So much to get to on this main card, and Ray Longo is in the air right now, so he most likely will not be able to join us, so we might have to even table the Aljamain Sterling conversation for uh, for next week, but co-main event, this was one of the feel-good stories of the night, Paul Felder, a winner by unanimous decision over James Vick. So real quick to summarize Paul Felder's 2018, I don't know if he lost his father late 2017 or if it was in 2018, okay, but he lost his father. Then in April, UFC 223 was supposed to compete against Ali Aquinta. Instead, Aquinta got to fight Khabib Nurmagomedov. So that was a real low moment, obviously, for Paul. Then he was supposed to fight James Vick. Vick got pulled into a main event in Nebraska against Justin Gaethje. You know, another kick in the dick for Paul Felder. Moves up to fight Mike Perry. Breaks his ulna bone in his right arm. Go, undergoes surgery, right? How's that? I mean, it's one bad break after the next. Yeah, he was doing commentary and sort of that leveled him out a little bit, right? But there were some really low moments for him, and it all came out, Kenny, emotionally after his first win. First win since the passing of his father and uh, dedicated the win to his mom, and and you just got to feel good for Paul, man. Absolutely, man. It was good to see uh, Paul get, get the win. I, I thought that it was pretty dominant um obviously it wasn't an easy fight but i i had him winning all three rounds uh i just felt that he had way more weapons uh seemed to be the much cleaner striker uh and you know really beat vic up with that uh calf kick i thought that was a a nice strategy uh that hurt vic and and got him to really have to adjust and kind of disengage many times throughout that fight um i, I thought that uh you know, switching things up and going for that spinning elbow and, and spinning back fist was a, was a nice choice. And, and a couple of those really hurt Vic. He almost got Vic out of there at one point. I think it was maybe the end of the second round, was it? Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was excited for, for Paul. I know he's had a tough last couple of years. Uh, and the fact that he was able to get it done here against a tough guy in James Vic uh, was nice to see. And, and um, for James Vic, man, I, I, it was pretty much the way that I saw it. I thought that Felder might have been able to even get the finish there uh, yeah. uh, in that fight. But um, James Vick just continues to not adjust as far as his hands and his chin and head position. Um, he, he's got to fix that. I knew it wasn't going to be fixed by the, by, by the time this fight came around. But that's something he really needs to address moving forward. Or yeah. not only is it going to lead to losses, but it's going to lead to uh, him getting hurt and, and knocked out again. So uh, hopefully James can can make those adjustments. And I thought the biggest factor in the fight was those calf kicks, Kenny, that really rendered Vic a one-legged fighter. I don't know how much of the time you guys were in commercial break and we touched on it when we came back, but Vic was so discouraged on the stool and he's never that guy, you know, he's yep. a beacon of positivity and he was broken. 
Uh, dude, you you can't you can't step when you get hit yeah. in a cap. It is a brutal one, and and again, I say it all the time. You don't you don't you don't address that kick in a fight like you do a traditional leg kick to the quad or to the outside of your leg, uh, where you lift your leg up and block it. Uh, and he was attempting to do that. Now, here's what happens when you do that. Not only do you take the brunt of that kick anyway, but it knocks you off balance repeatedly. So. Yeah. Uh, I, I felt every single one of those and, and Felder, you look at his yeah. legs and I mean, Felder can kick dude. Felder is a huge lightweight as is Vic, by the way, those are probably the two biggest lightweights, uh, in the game period. Yeah. Uh, but man, I don't know how they make the weight, but, uh, that must not have tickled Felder was smashing that calf in the same spot repeatedly. And actually Felder's calf was blowing up at one point too. On the other side, I think it was yeah. a, maybe his left the outside of his left calf. I'm not sure what that was from, but either way, man, uh, he basically rendered uh, Vic useless uh, throughout the, the latter part of that fight because of those calf kicks. I agree. So Felder's probably going to take that number 10 ranking, and he certainly set himself up for a big one. I know he wants the Justin Gaethje fight. I think Felder's perfect scenario would have been that he finished James Vic early, and then because it's such an arduous weight cut that he would have kept himself in fight shape and tried to be a backup plan for March 30th in his native Philadelphia. Of course, that's a main event between Edson Barboza and Justin Gaethje. Felder has a head-to-head loss against Edson Barboza. I just think Felder's not going to be a picnic, Kenny, for a lot of guys in this lightweight division. You know, I know as a fan, maybe I speak in absolutes too much, but I've been saying for 18 months or so, as Paul Felder now has won his fourth straight at lightweight, I think Strike for strike, limb for limb, he's the biggest power threat in the 155-pound division. I'm not saying he's Edson Barboza necessarily in terms of some of the just talent and and gifts and whatever else. But, dude, this is a lifelong striker, a technical beast who now that he's aligned with Duke Rufus, uh, he's so clean with this spinning stuff. I mean, he's hitting this stuff right on the button, mixes it up beautifully on the feet. I think, you know, I know – I'm not saying he could be champion necessarily, but I, I'm very interested to see what he'll do against top five competition. I, I really I, am. I think Paul's going to be a tough out for anybody. There's no doubt about it. I don't know if I've seen anything in his fight that tells me he's, he's one of the more powerful strikers necessarily, uh, but he is a very good striker. There's no doubt about it. Um, and I, I think that for anybody who decides to strike with him, he is going to give them a good run. Uh, that is absolutely true. Uh, he is tough. Um, he has a, a pretty solid defense. Um, and the only thing I would like to see him is, is just create more angles with his striking. And if he does that, then I think the knockouts are really going to come. Sometimes he gets caught up in going too forward and back um, yeah. a, a little bit too much. But, man, Felder has uh, a, a tremendous uh, abilities and uh, I, I think can give anybody a, a really tough run in, in that top 10. And got hit clean a couple times by James Vick, and, and certainly he has a chin. Uh, and, dude, trains and in the Vick is all awkward. The Vick yeah. is awkward to go against. He, he is not. He is tough to look good against, too. And I thought Felder really looked solid and made it a, a pretty solid and clean performance. I had it a clean 30-27 for Paul Felder, no doubt. And last thing I'll say, you know, trains in the gi regularly with Daniel Vanderlei. He's never been submitted, you know, in 20 pro fights, right? He fought Charles Oliveira and was able to avoid submission that night. Oliveira's been on an absolute tear since. So going to be very interesting to see if Felder can get the big fight that he so craves. Cynthia Calvillo-Kenny, a winner by unanimous decision over Courtney Casey. And I think it's her call out of Tatiana Suarez that's probably more newsworthy given our time constraints. This just speaks to who Cynthia Calvillo is, right? And I thought this fight against Courtney Casey was maybe closer than the odds would have had it. Um, But she immediately calls out Tatiana Suarez, who's the best wrestler in the division and the toughest fight for most of these women. All the respect in the world for Cynthia Calvillo after a big win for her to move to 5-1 and in the UFC. Yeah, listen, um, it, it's amazing what Calvillo has done and against the kind of experienced competition that she's had. Um, you know, Calvillo, uh, is as tough as they come. She's not afraid to trade. She went against a girl in Casey who was much taller, uh, much stronger and still got it done. And, um, you know, Calvillo has improved her striking a great deal. Uh, I was looking forward to seeing, uh, what would happen if she was able to get the fight to the ground. I thought she would have a, a bigger advantage against Casey on the ground, especially if she was able to get that top position. Uh, but, I mean, she's she's turning into a, a very, very good fighter, and she's doing good things over at Team Alpha Male, and I look forward to seeing how she develops. And the fact that she's had, um, 
you know, all these fights against the tough competition early on in her career, she is only going to get better. Crazy that she wants Suarez right now. You know, I know. I, I mean, who's calling out Suarez? It's like Nobody. she's the Habib of of that division. Yeah. Uh, so I was really surprised. Uh, and it just shows how confident she is uh, against Tatiana Suarez, man. That That's that's pretty wild. So we sat down with Crone Gracie on Friday and immediately 60 seconds in, I was like, this guy's special. Right. I, at that point, I hadn't seen UFC destined. I, you know, I had seen some footage, but I had never heard heard the man talk. Right. Uh, there is something special about this dude. He walks into the fighter meeting. He's like, John, let me see that 209 tattoo. I was like, oh, <laughs> but hey, man, you know, this was a special effort, I thought, against a 19-time UFC veteran. I would defer to you on everything about this fight and everything about Crone Gracie moving forward. But as Dominic Cruz said on the broadcast, he wants, he welcomes you to come into his guard, right? So he can move forward without fear. Nobody's going to be trying to take him down. Uh, I'm excited, man. This was fun. Yes, exactly. And uh, I I agree with you, man. I I think Crone does have that certain special quality about him. There is an energy to a Crone to a Crone Gracie that when you meet him, um, yeah, you you know, he's you're not sure what he does, but you know, he's damn good at it. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I think that comes down from his lineage of of his uh, legendary father, Hicks and Gracie. Imagine having to be in those shoes in the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu community and dealing with that kind of pressure, being essentially Michael Jordan's son. And you decide to play basketball at a high level and everyone is expecting you to be MJ. That's the kind of pressure, and that those are the kind of expectations that Crone Gracie had to deal with. And you know what? He pretty much lived up to them. That that's how good Crone Gracie is. And um, he was a, a guy who really had to deal with that and and competed against many of the best Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu competitors in the world. He proved himself to be uh, that uh, without a doubt. And uh, now trying his hand at mixed martial arts and. I thought it was a pretty solid debut for him, man. I, I think th- the biggest mistake for Caceres was throwing that long, wild hook. Uh, that gave Crone Gracie the ability to get around to the back immediately. And from there, the, the fight was essentially over. Uh, when we were watching here, we, we knew it. basically Crone was going to get to his back and he was going to finish. And that's the difference between a, a, a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. Because Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belts, you see them everywhere. There's a lot of them now. That, that's not really such a big deal. Um, but there's a difference between a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, a very good Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, and a world-class, world champion-level Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. And Crone Gracie is just that. He he made it look easy. Once he gets to your back, it was over, man. There was nothing Caceres could do. There was some high-level stuff going on, beautiful control, uh, and uh, that's what Crone Gracie is going to bring to that division. Uh, one of the best Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu guys in the world, and I would uh, you know put him. Uh, obviously, right there at the level of a Damian Maya, a Jacare Souza, a, a, a Ryan Hall. Yeah, no doubt about it. Guy, guy was training with with Ronnie Yaya extensively when he was 16 years old. He doesn't remember his life without jujitsu, and yep. there's been pressure applied to him in, in the Hickson shadow. Obviously, his yes. father. It's amazing how much I learned about Hickson and Elio Gracie just getting ready for this show. It's fascinating stuff. I think what's interesting for Crone is that. Every time he sits down in an interview setting, it's all about the Gracie family and you're going to be the Mm -hmm. first fighter potentially to win a fight since Hoist way, way back in the day, right? Because Holes and Hajar were unable to win and their lone appearances, same could be said for Henzo, right? So I think for for Crone, there's there's part of it, part of him that wants to sort of break out and forge his own identity. And I think if anyone's capable of doing that, it really is him. I mean, he certainly has a, a lot of respect for his lineage and, and it, it's certainly a powerful influencer for him as is the death of his brother Hoxson, of course, but man, I just got a special feeling from this guy. So in terms of immediate challenges, I think the, the one thing for Crone that I like is that I feel like he's a big game player. I don't think pressure is going to bother him. He wants the big fights and he wants them ideally by March or April what would you like to see? I know we talked off air. You think maybe Ryan Hall, which was suggested by Dan Hardy, maybe a little bit too soon right now. Uh, would you like to see him fight a wrestler, a BJJ guy? What do you think Sean Shelby will do with Crone Gracie after what we saw Saturday night? 
That's a good question. You know, I think there's a lot of possibilities for Caron Gracie. Um, you know, I, I think we saw him in there uh, technically against another striker. I would like to see him against um, either another, like like another grappler. I think that would be interesting to see how he does uh, in those five-minute rounds um, against another grappler like a wrestler, a grinder. Um, I think Crone is good enough to be able to submit anyone uh, in that division. Um it, <sighs> It's tough, right? Because that's only his fifth fight. That, that's the other thing. It's only his fifth fight at the end of the day. Yeah. Overall, his first fight in the UFC, it sounds like he wants to stay pretty active this year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to see kind of maybe a, a wrestler, striker type guy. Um, even Crone kind of said, I wish they gave me someone tougher than Alex Caceres. And Caceres has a ton of experience in the UFC. Yeah. Maybe, not, maybe not the best guy out there in the division, obviously, but... You know, I thought that it was pretty well matched for his first UFC debut. And, and um, I don't know. I, I, I'm curious to see what direction the UFC goes. And I, I do think that Crone could absolutely be a star uh, in that division. I'm just going to rifle down from seven down the rankings at featherweight. Cub Swanson, Mursad, Bektik, Josh Emmett, Ricardo Lamas, Yair Rodriguez, the Korean Zombies, Abit Magomed, Sharipov, Darren Elkins, Calvin Cater, uh, Hopefully that didn't mess with the audio as I just looked that up. But a lot of those guys are matched up already. But I, I yep. think they're going to expedite the process with Crone Gracie. We'll see. But you're right wow. on his fifth pro fight. But uh, I'm all in. Vicente Luque, Brian Barberina. <laughs> I mean, this one is just this is the type of fight when you finish calling it. And you can speak to this when you have four fights thereafter. Part of you is like, man, right? Because that takes a lot out of you to call a fight like that. And just a great showcase. I'm so glad our first main card on ESPN, Kenny, that we had a fight like that, right? A fight of the year type. Uh, just next level toughness from these two guys. And Vicente Luque absolutely leaves, uh, for me, a bona fide welterweight contender. Uh, it was ridiculous, dude, as far as ah. the kind of toughness and power that they showed in that fight. I would say that probably 80% of those punches were knockout blows. And the fact that they were to, uh, they were able to absorb that many shots, like those many shots, like, it's crazy. that They were going oh. upstairs, downstairs, leg kicks. Brian Barbarena, it seemed like he was uh, – his head was on a swivel with some of the shots he was eating from Luke. He, and then he would just turn around and, and throw a combination of his own. These guys basically stood in the center of the octagon and just traded blows. I would never recommend any fighter to do that. It was essentially a hockey fight. I knew fight, that was coming. <laughs> but uh, I, would, I would never be able to do that. I would never, even if I wanted to do that, John, even if I was like, screw it, I'm going to just sit there and trade blows, I would last maybe three seconds. I, I'm just, I would, I do not have that kind of, ability to absorb that I many I don't think I do anyway like right. those guys are just straight savages and the fact that they were able to throw that amount of strikes uh and, and eat them uh until I, I there was no way I, I thought that that fight was going to go past the first round let alone Crazy. go into the third round it was just ridiculous those guys are savages so and neither guy was all that hurt i mean there were little moments there but even when luke got knocked down he recovered very quickly right yeah when we talk about the long-term effects of a fight like that for those mm. fighters sometimes it's hard to quantify because barbarina is just this goddamn it hard-headed american farmer who yeah. eats it as if i'm the one throwing the punch you know what mm -hmm. i mean like mm -hmm. as if it's his 10 year old son throwing the punch yeah. so i mean I know, obviously, in terms of longevity, right, as Luque is two years, as he said, away from his fighting prime. He's won eight of nine, finished almost everyone. But how do you quantify what type of price there is to pay when the guy doesn't seem to get hurt by these power shots? Dude, well, well, here's the thing. It, from what we've seen, from what we've seen, we there, there was nothing that that uh, looked like they were they were hurt too badly, but... Man, that that ending sequence. First of all, there's no doubt that Brian Barbarato was hurt from that. It yeah. actually kind of turned his head around. Uh, he looked kind of straight down to the mat at one point, and then the way that he got finished was pretty brutal as well. Uh, but that shot that he ran into, I, I don't think is going to do do him any favors. Uh, and Luke ate a lot of shots as well. So yeah. from what we could tell, it seemed like they were fine. 
But man, again, as far as brain damage and those things, we don't we could potentially not see those things for right. for a little while. So I hope that they don't go right into sparring for a long time. If I'm their coach, if I'm their friend, if I'm mm-hmm. their family member, I tell them to stay away from the gym for a long time. Don't do anything. Relax. Exactly. Uh, even even if you know you feel fine or whatever, you could feel dizzy spells later on. You could actually yeah. have a concussion. You never know. But man, that was a classic fight. But my goodness, I hope those guys are okay and don't suffer any damage from that fight. But uh, the, the the crowd seemed like they were going nuts. I, I couldn't believe it. Oh, crazy, crazy fight, and good for those guys. And you're right. I think if Luke, I know he's wanting to expedite the process a little bit and try to get a ranked name, but I do think for both of those guys, uh, some time off would serve them well and certainly an easy pick for fight of the night. Uh, big win for Andre Feely, obviously, by unanimous decision over Miles Jury. That's a much-improved fighter there. Aljamain Sterling we will get to next week with Ray Longo, but Aljo is absolutely a Bantamweight contender. I couldn't be happier for him. I just want to get your thoughts on Manny Bermudez real quickly before we get to the Prague selections. So, South Shore sport fighting, by the way. Rockland, Massachusetts. <laughs> Bill Mahoney, I believe, the head coach there. Yes. Uh, so Manny Bermudez, 13-0, 14-0, whatever he is now. Outstanding submission guy, BJJ application in mixed martial arts. Absolutely love it, right? But he weighed in four pounds over the Bantamweight limit, and that is a huge part of the narrative of this fight. And I'm probably going to ask you another unanswerable question in terms of the advantage or you know, if there's something like the extent to which he suffered or didn't when he weighs in, you know, an hour and 15 minutes or so before he has to right? I have a real problem with this, right? Because we've seen instances where guys weigh in early and they don't suffer up until 11 o'clock and they don't suffer down to the weight class limit like their opponent has to. And then they still compete at the weight class. There's a small financial penalty, but when you're a small purse fighter, a couple fights into the UFC, it's not a big financial penalty. And you get match made moving forward as if you have a bantamweight win. Now, I'm you know born and raised in, in Massachusetts, right? I like, I like Manny Bermudez. I think he's a special fighter. But this has a huge stain for me to miss that badly, to weigh in early. Uh, you know, I know he obviously learned some hard lessons and maybe he'll make a statement by weighing in on championship weight next time around. But, uh, if he gets a big, big fight now, um, I have a competitive philosophical issue with that. And, and you should, um, again, you're, you're never going to see me make excuses for a guy not making weight. And, uh, it wasn't again, like you said, it wasn't just like one pound. Um, uh, it was a few pounds. It was four pounds, right? Four pounds or three yeah, pounds. Or, yeah. Four. four. Uh, yeah. So it's four pounds. So, um, there's no excuse for that. There's no good excuse for that. Um, and the fact that he's going to get a win uh, against a guy who did make weight, something needs to be done. Uh, I think a little bit more than just taking away a percentage of his purse. Um, you know, I, I think this is the point where the UFC needs to start to ask themselves, should we allow these guys to even compete? Or if they do fight, maybe they fight, but it's always rendered a no contest. That person can never get themselves uh, a a win because again, you know how it goes, man. You're, you're a sports guy way more than I am. Uh, We forget about these little details at the end of the day, you're going to see a W on his name. And, and the guy who fought him is going to have that L and, and and that's a shame. And and I did not see that fight. Uh, I believe I was in the air when that, when that fight transpired, but um, it, it's an awful situation, man. I, I hate seeing guys not make weight and seeing the other guy uh, make weight and suffer through that um, it is awful. So I think the UFC should do something about it or the commissions should do something about it where they give that person a no contest or something. But it, it shouldn't be a W. Um, and I'm not right. sure it should be an L for the other guy, too. Right. It, it, right. There are a lot of layers to it. Right. You feel for Benito Lopez. I'm not sure if the result would have been any different. I really right. think Manny Bermudez's submission game is going to be very problematic for a lot of people. But the issue, Kenny, is, is right. And you know this as well as anybody, but there are a lot of contracts to satisfy. So when these fights are booked, the UFC wants these fights to go on. Right. To give these guys as many fights a year as hu- humanly possible, given the constraints, because there's so many fighters on the roster. Right. So if you tell Manny Bermudez that you're going to compete tonight, but you can only get a no contest or a loss, right? 
he's not incentivized to fight. And that, I think, is the only holdup, because you're absolutely right. At least in terms of the Bantamweight division, it's got to be a no contest, right? It can't be a win, because the, that's, that would be the only logical penalty. So I don't think it's going to be done, um, but it, it, I don't know. It's just a, a, a really unfortunate thing. And, uh, you know, for Manny Bermudez, I think the ceiling is high, but for me that it was just a tough fight week for him. And thankfully he was contrite about it after the fact and, and showed some yeah. good sportsmanship and went over and apologized to the Lopez corner. But, uh, all right, well, crazy weekend in Phoenix and, uh, the hits keep on coming. The UFC making its first ever trip to the Czech Republic, February 23rd for UFC fight night, main card on ESPN plus, and the main event could feature the second best fight of the month. I say that because Vicente Luque and Brian Barberina, it's going to be tough to top for the best fight of the month. But Polish light heavyweight Jan Bohovic has won four straight. A lot of bonuses along the way. He faces the heavy-handed Brazilian machine, Tiago Mejeta Santos. That's the headliner in Prague. No matter who you pick to win this one, my bookie is the only place you should be betting with big deposit bonuses, 48-hour payouts, and an easy-to-use mobile site that I can speak to personally. My bookie smashes the competition. In addition to betting on every UFC fight, you can also wager on the NBA March Madness even the Rotten Tomatoes scores for this month's new movies. I use mybookie.ag every day. I don't know what else to tell you, right? I swear by the site. I use it. I'm an avid sports gambler. Don't call me a degenerate. I'm all about it. Mybookie.ag. And you can try for yourself. Visit mybookie.ag today. If you deposit now, my book, you'll give you a 50% sign-up bonus just for entering the promo code ANIC. That's promo code ANIC, A-N-I-K. Bet with the best only at mybookie, mybookie. Dot ag been whacking some college hoops lately so hopefully we can keep that train going uh but overall you know when a boston team wins a championship ken flow i am losing a lot of money so when the red sox <laughs> and the patriots both win titles within 100 days i don't even want to get into how much we paid for those titles but uh, but it's paying off it's paying off obviously. it is it's, it's, it's paying working off. for it's us paying off you know and uh my wife doesn't listen to the podcast so uh she doesn't know that we we had fifteen hundred dollars <laughs> on the kansas city chiefs in the afc no. championship game uh, all right, Prague beckons Saturday night. Let's get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. And it. The time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, Team Florian led it 9-8 going into UFC Phoenix. Sugar Shane Terra takes down the flow 6-4. Oh. See, all these folks have to do, Kenny, is beat you once, right? And and they live with that forever. They and do. you got to live with that as well. Oh. Uh, and I think what makes matters worse, and we'll get to our guest picker, Wes, here in, in 30 seconds, but the difference maker was Aljamain Sterling at plus 140. So Ray Longo walked up to me and said, you give Ken Flo absolute hell for <laughs> picking Jimmy Rivera. So uh, here's me giving it. you hell. Uh, Ray is in the air right now, so uh, we'll see if we can track him down before the end of the show. But uh, nice lead now for Team Anik. It's a point. Czech Republic Saturday night. Main car on ESPN Plus. Four picks for you today. With us to make them Wes Stowers. I probably screwed that up, Wes how do you pronounce your surname, kid? No, you got it just right. Stowers, amazing. See, I, I'm telling you, 50 bucks. I get $50 every time I pronounce a guest picker's name you on the first try. Uh, Wes, uh, thank you for, for listening to the show, for coming on. Where, where are you joining us from today? I'm from uh, Oak Hill, West Virginia. I'm a big fan. Thanks for having me on. West Virginia represented today on the Anakin Florian podcast. I love it. So I hate to break the news to you guys. There are no main card odds as of this taping so soon at mybookie.ag and everywhere else you'll be able to bet on these fights maybe by the end of the show we can update but uh we just got to pick the fights i will adjust the odds accordingly not ideal but we trudge onward so first fight at bantamweight i like this fight 26 year old russian Piotr Jan. this dude looks like the man ken flow three and oh in the ufc huge finish of a very tough douglas silva deandraj back in december puts his seven fight win streak on the line against the ufc tested john dodson Wes, I don't know. I'd expect Jan to be a slight favorite here uh, or maybe close to a pick Who do you like here, Piotr Jan or John Dodson? Uh, I probably had the same feeling. Um, I like Jan a lot. Uh, I think he's an up-and-comer here. Um, I, I don't think that we've seen the best Jan Dodson in his last couple of fights. I think that he is uh, slowing down just a little bit. 
Um, and his style of fighting, I don't, I think that's, um, I don't think that's good news for him. Um, he's kind of a blitz fighter. He's one of those that he kind of draw, gets you to fall asleep and then he blitzes his right forward on you. Um, in that Jimmy Rivera fight, it seemed like he kind of got rolled to sleep a little bit by Rivera. Um, he was kind of backing up the whole time. Um, definitely not his best performance. Um, I see this one going uh, Jan's way. Uh, I think he's going to kind of do exactly what Jimmy Rivera did, just kind of slowly take him apart. Um, Johnson is always dangerous. Uh, he's always got that left hand ready to go. Um, but I think Jan's going to get a uh, decision here. All right, Piotr Jan, the pick for Wes. Ken Flo, 15th UFC appearance for John Dodson. He's alternated wins and losses over his last eight. Hasn't fought since a decision loss to Jimmy Rivera. That was back in September. I just think we need to see more offense out of John Dodson and maybe Piotr Jan, who's an animal, is the guy to bring it out of him. What do you think about this one at 135 pounds? Yeah, you know, it's hard to tell what's going on with John Dodson. Is it the fact that he's slowing down or... Is he losing motivation now that he's not really fighting towards trying to become a champion in that division anymore? Right. So he, he has been fighting a while. I, I think maybe his um, motivation has gone away a little bit. Uh, maybe this this guy, Piotr Jan, is the guy to kind of bring it out of him. I don't think so, though. Uh, I was really impressed with Jan in his last fight against uh, Douglas Silva de Andrade, who is a very tough uh, fighter in his own yeah, right. Man. Um, but Jan just beat him up. Like it wasn't even a fight. He literally beat that dude up. And I was so glad that they stopped the fight. Uh, you don't see that very often. Um, and I was glad that they stopped it. It it was a brutal beating. Uh, so I'm going to go with Jan. I think Jan gets it done. Uh, you know, I don't know if he can finish Dotson. Dotson tends to not engage as much, but I, I think Jan does get it done. And maybe he'll be closer to minus 180 or so. It's always fun to try to predict what the lines are going to be, and maybe we'll be way off. But uh, we will proceed as if Piotr Jan will be the betting favorite there. All right, light heavyweight also making his 15th UFC appearance. John Vellante coming off a win. He draws Mikhail Oleksajic. Wes, what does your research tell you here about this one at 205? Uh, so I had to do some digging on Mikhail here. I remember his fight against uh, Roundtree. Uh, he showed a lot of heart in that one. Um, Got a little rock, got a nice little cut early on. Um, but fought through it, ended up getting a pretty dominant victory. Um, uh, that one was overturned with a banned substance test, um, a positive test there. Um, so he's coming off a big layoff. I think that Volante's pressure, um, he's constantly in your face, um, which does leave him open to being knocked out. Uh, we've seen that a couple times. But I think his pressure um, is going to give. Uh, we call a little bit of issue. Um, I'd say Vellante is going to end up getting the finish later on in the fight. All right, John Vellante there. So, Kenny, four straight split decisions for Vellante. And, you know, he's rolling his eyes after all these fights. He's won two of them, including the last one. Uh, and you heard Wes mention for Oleg Sajic the win by decision over Khalil Roundtree Jr. back in 2017, overturned to a no contest pop for Clomiphene. You know what? I, I could use some clomiphene right now, actually. Kenflo, <laughs> um, give me a winner here. John Volante, Michal Olek Sejuk. Olek Sejuk. Wow. Uh, all right. I'm well, going to pull up the Michal. audio file while we are talking and see. Olek Sejuk. Um, listen, man, I think Volante um, has a tendency, obviously, of fighting in, in these kind of fights where they're always close and he always puts himself on the precipice of, of getting knocked out in a lot of these fights. Oleg Sechuk, I, I think, is a very good uh, uh, striker. Uh, when he starts to trade, I, I think that um, he probably doesn't have the same kind of power as a Volante, especially early on. But I, I think he's going to be a little bit faster. Um, I, I think he throws straighter punches. Um, I, I think he comes in pretty well conditioned. Um, and, and I think Oleg Sechuk uh, will get the win uh, against Volante by decision. All right, co-main event guys at heavyweight. Stefan Struve actually once told me he wanted to be the first UFC fighter to 50 UFC appearances. And at that point in time, as a heavyweight, he looked, you know, maybe like he could get to 35 or so. Uh, But, of course, he's had some health issues. Some of them scary ones. Makes his 22nd UFC start here, Wes. He's lost the last three of them. Taken on Marcos Rogerio Pezao de Lima. He returned to heavyweight last year. Won a unanimous decision over Adam V. Chorik. Who do you like here in the co-main event, Wes? This one's a tough one for me. I, uh, I mean, you look at Stephen Steve, 
he beat uh, Stephen Yates at one point. Uh, looked like a world beater. Um, seven feet tall. Um, but he, it blows my mind. It seems like he still struggles to use that range. Um, just throw a few jabs here and there. Uh, keep people at distance, but hasn't really got that down yet. Um, I, he only, he has a clear advantage with this fight that goes to the ground. Um, Stephen Stewart's submissions are next level. Um, I think that that's a clear possible victory for him. Can he get it there? Uh, that's going to be the issue. His chin has been a little questionable in his last couple of fights. Um, but I see this fight going to the ground, and I see Stephen Struve um, putting on a choke and getting the finish. Wes has done his homework. I, l- I like that West Virginia draw as well. You beat Ken Flo, you're getting a return <laughs> invite. I mean, that's a slam dunk. All right, Ken Flo, true or false? Marcos Rogerio Pezao de Lima fought at middleweight in Peru in 2013. Dang. Uh, I mean, that's kind of a random fact. I would right, say like, why true. Would you, right. Like, yeah, why would you make that up? Right. And yeah. Tell but, the Peruvian that that <laughs> happened if it didn't. He said, did he? He fought as a middleweight. He's a big dude. He very much is a big dude. He loves missing 205. So now he's a heavyweight. Right. Uh, oh no denying the pop. You know, um, yeah. we'll see if Stefan Struve can, you know, use that jab. Joe Silva is going to be sitting somewhere in West Virginia just pulling his hair out when when Struve's not using that length. Uh, what do you think <laughs> here about Pezao, Uh trying to go to two and zero since moving back up to heavyweight? Listen, I'll be pulling out my hair with him. Um, you know, Stefan has been one of the more frustrating guys uh, to watch throughout his career because he got into the UFC so early. He had all this, um, you know, all these gifts as far as his size and. But I don't know if he really just put in the work, and that's what that's what I struggle with. Anytime he fights, I mean, it's like throwing the dice. Um, and Marcus Rogero de Lima is another guy that kind of when he fights, he kind of throws caution to the wind, and uh, I, I don't think he always has the smartest approach uh, when he fights as well. This is a tough one for me. I, I, I guess I'm going to go with Stefan Struve. I, I, I imagine that this fight will probably go to the to the mat at some point. I think. Uh, so I'll, I'll go with Struve. And I will tell you guys, I always tweet out the odds for every UFC main card fight. So you both reserve the right to change your predictions based upon the odds. If you see something really pronounced and it makes sense under our scoring system, by all means, text me uh, and let me know. All right, main event. This is a bigger fight than people realize. If John Jones beats Anthony Smith, the winner of this fight between Jan Bohovic and Tiago Santos is going to get a light heavyweight championship opportunity. And the way John Jones is treating his 2019, these guys might fight for the light heavyweight title before July. So huge steam on this main event in Prague. Wes, we will need the round and the method of victory, Bohovic or Santos for you. I am really excited for this fight. Uh, I think Jan Blahovic is underappreciated in that light heavyweight division. Um, he has been on quite a tear four-fight win streak. Um, he's looked good in all of them. Um, his last fight against uh, Akita. Uh, he weathered a little storm early, ended up getting that finish. Um, I think that uh, his best path to victory would definitely be taking the fight to the ground, uh, looking for a submission. His submissions are um, high quality. Um, Tiago Santos, he is one of the most dangerous strikers in the whole UFC, in my opinion. Uh, he's a scary guy to stand in front of. Um, I think Santos needs to stay at kicking range. Um, if he can do that, uh, I think he has potential to really pick uh, Bohovic apart. Um, I... Uh, I think that Bohovic, or uh, Santos needs to come in with that same game plan he came in with against uh, Jimmy Manoa, where there were no holes for He came out, guns blazing, ready to go, um, get in his face early, um, put his back into the cage, and just start swinging. I think that's Santos' best path to victory here. Um, Bohovic, he's got power, but I wouldn't uh, say he has the one nudge one-punch knockout power that Manila does, and Santos just threw caution to wind against him. I see him doing the same thing against Blahovich, and I say he's going to get a second-round TKO. Ken Flo loves that round, too, so he might be upset about that. All right, Wes Stowers, thank you for listening, man. Thank you for playing. And and as I said, man, you beat Ken Flo. You're right back in the queue later in 2019. Thanks for stepping up. Have a good day at work, man, and, and we'll talk to you soon. 
I really appreciate uh, today's my little sister's birthday. So I just want to say happy birthday, Maddie. Thanks for having me on. Hopefully I'll be on again soon. Thank you, Wes. Happy birthday, Maddie. All right, good stuff there from the great state of West Virginia. So, Kempo, I'm excited about this main event. I think I'm excited to just shut my fat mouth and watch it Oof. for a change, right? It's been a busy schedule. Obviously, we're in a stretch of nine consecutive weekends with live UFC action. But Tiago Santos, man, right? Go to his Wikipedia page. Go to SureDog, right? He's won seven of eight, six of those by knockout or TKO, right? We sit here Feb 18, 2019, February 3rd, 2018, right? A year and a few days ago, he knocked out Anthony Smith who's fighting for the championship in a couple weeks. Uh, unanimous decision win over Kevin Holland. That's a quality win. Finished Eric Anders. Quality win. Destroyed Jimmy Manawa recently. Dude's on an absolute tear. Blahovich has won four in a row. I think Santos will probably be the favorite. Um, but Blahovich is no picnic, obviously. This is a great main event, and, and I want to know on which side of it you fall. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. So Bohovic, I, I feel like, is the more well-rounded fighter um, as far as consistency, uh, being a little bit more conservative. I, I Maybe not conservative, but safer. Um, you know, I, I would typically lean towards someone like that. I think he has the advantage on the ground as well. Um, and I think that the fact that he hasn't been uh, in a lot of these crazy fights like Tiago Santos uh, has had, can give him the advantage as well. So this is a tough one for me. Uh, Tiago Santos is a guy who basically ignores all the small weapons. He says, like, you know what? I'm just going to yeah. blow out the cannon every single time. <laughs> I want to destroy your face as much as possible. And I love it. But here's the thing. How 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 long can he keep this kind of pace for? And, and how is his body going from fight to fight and training camp to training camp? He has kept very busy. Yeah. Um, I, I hope that he's fine. And if he is, I think he gets the win here. Um, I don't know if Tiago Santos is the best striker in the UFC or one of the better strikers in the UFC, but he's probably one of the most dangerous strikers in, in the UFC. And I think there's a difference. Um, and I think if he catches Bohovic, I think he's in trouble. Um, Bohovic, I, and I agree with Wes that Bohovic, um, doesn't have the same kind of striking ability. does have a, a, a good chin though. Um, and, you know, if they get caught trading, uh, Santos is probably going to get the win. So um, I, I'll go with Santos. I, I think that he has this energy and ability to really draw guys into his type of fight. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I got to go with Santos. I think the train's going to keep running here. All right. Give me a round and a method. You going knockout or TKO, I assume? Let's go knockout round two. That's exactly what Wes did with the round okay. two. Okay, well, let's do round do one. Hey. Let's All do right, round, round one. one. No, right. yeah, we've got to so, make it interesting. So the busy schedule, right? So five fights in 2018 for, for Maheta, February, April, August, September, and then December in Toronto against Jimmy Manoa. So you're right about the busy schedule for sure. Obviously, he's at 205 now, right? So he's not cutting the weight anymore. And what's crazy about his 2018, right, those five fights, Kenny, and then a weight cut in July to back up for Adesanya Tavares. Do you remember that? Right. Yes, so that's five right. five fights, wow. but then a sixth, essentially, just for show money, he cut as a backup. So wow. uh, this is a, a motivated man. And, and yeah, man, he you know, you talk about jujitsu application in MMA. The striking application for Tiago Santos is going quite well. And uh, big spot for him, obviously, against Jan Bojovic. All right. That's it for the main event challenge. So Ken Flo is a renaissance man of sorts. Uh, he's got a lot of irons in the fire. May Rocky BJJ is a fucking monster, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I, I would say standing room only, like, need not apply. But, you know, we want, you know, I don't want to hurt the business. But, man, I mean, it's just a, a beautiful facility. It actually makes me want to do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. See, that, you know? that's the goal. Thank you, my man. And it we're going to really get does. you over there. Next time you're in L.A., we're going to put you in a gi over there and run you through a class. Oh, uh, Pahumpa. Uh, Marcos Damata, he was in uh, Phoenix. Is that where I was about yes. six hours ago? Not, yeah, Phoenix. Not returning your calls. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, so he was, he was in Phoenix to corner uh, Hen and Barrow, and he's like, hey, you got you got the mats in the garage yet? It's like, no, bro. I don't have the mats <laughs> in the garage. I keep cars in the garage, okay? I'm not like yeah. you sticking yeah. jujitsu guys. Yeah. I got a fucking treadmill in the garage. So, anyway, so Ken Flo, a lot of different things going on. 
uh, entrepreneur in spirit and in action. So you got a new app called Closer Sports, and uh, I think the Anakin Florian podcast listeners would, would really like to hear about it right now. Yeah, no, thank you, man. Uh, you know, last week, actually, we, we launched a new live streaming uh, show on Closer Sports. And um, basically, you can live chat w- with me and and hopefully ho- hoping to get uh, a ton of uh, the MMA analysts and, and fighters and uh, coaches to come over. Uh, I know Michael Bisping's going to be on there, Daniel Cormier and Tyron Woodley and, and all those guys hope to be on there soon. Um, and we've been testing it out and, and it's pretty slick. You could chat, uh, just like you can on Instagram live, and you can also suggest topics to discuss and vote on. Um, and for those of you guys who have iPhones, the app is in the app store right now and you can go to closersports.com or go straight to the app store and search for closer sports. Uh, and for those of you on Android, the app should hit this week. Um, I can keep you guys posted on that and, uh, to kick things off, we'll be offering a special price of 99 cents per month. So less than a dollar. Um, you could follow, uh, you know, your favorite fighters and stuff like that. And, uh, I'll actually be streaming another show, uh, this week. And, and I kind of, you know, basically answer questions that, that the fans have, um, and, uh, and anything you want to talk about, we can break down. I'm also hoping to do some, some, uh, MMA breakdowns on there at Meraki and, and do some jujitsu breakdowns and techniques as well. Uh, which is always fun to do and, um, you know, encourage everyone to check it out. And also we populate all the news articles to just that one app. So everything related to mixed martial arts, you can see all of your articles, all the latest articles right there to that app. So it's kind of like a becoming a mixed martial arts hub. And, um, yeah, I hope, hope, hope the fans love it. And we'd love to hear your feedback as well and how we can make it better. So if you're on the gray mats at Mayrocky BJJ and you're showing people a Kimura sweep, that content is exclusive to Closer Sports, right? Ex- exactly. And then even you guys, let, let's say as I'm doing it, you could ask me a, a detail or a question. Say, hey, how do you like to do this? Or what, what's the grip like? And, you know, what do you do if they do this? And we can go through all the different scenarios of the breakdowns and and uh, and have some fun that way, man. So it's, it's a cool way to interact. And uh, basically... You know, it's it's uh, kind of um, Instagram live on steroids, if you will. I like that, man. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I'm not gonna watch the video of you doing a Kimura sweep, but I know a <laughs> lot of people out there. You gotta are, learn, John. Are Damn, gonna it. watch that shit. Hey, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, hey, at least I know what that is, right? I mean, I right. trained to do that six or seven times. Uh, I just want to see. You, I just want to see in those white pajamas, for Pete's sake. Come on. Oh man, I think maybe uh, the gi wasn't necessarily my problem. Uh, you know, I just think uh, I'm just not tough enough physically, mentally, or otherwise. You, know? <laughs> you have a, a ridiculous schedule, dude. You got three kids for Pete's. Oh, I mean, I, oh, fuck. oh yeah, and you work too. Yeah, I, I do lead the league in excuses. Right, best thing about having kids, you got an excuse. Anytime you don't want to do anything, bro, I got fucking kids. You know, right? <laughs> three, three of them. Yeah, yeah, but like you tell me, you haven't in in the first year of True's life been able to use that as an excuse for something you didn't want to do at one point in time. I mean, right. if, if right. that's not the truth, you fuck, you know. <laughs> so uh, it's great though. It is when you don't want to do something socially or you can't pick up the phone. Or, Dude, I got kids, kids, yeah. I got kids, plural. All right, we got to get out of here. Uh, thanks for putting up with me today. It's been a crazy stretch for the UFC. It continues, of course, this weekend in Prague, Czech Republic. Prelims are on ESPN two. Main card on ESPN Plus. The flow and I will be back in less than a week to recap that with you. And uh, I don't even have to look at the UFC calendar, but I'm sure there's a show the next weekend. There is. It is UFC 235, uh, and we'll get you ready for that monster. Uh, Ken Flo, enjoy the rest of your time on the East Coast, man. Welcome back. Thanks, my dude. Yeah, I'm I'm here in Virginia, uh, training with uh, the Wizard Ryan Hall, and um, yeah, looking forward to having some fun out here, doing some seminars, and uh, yeah. All right, with that, for, for the flow and our and our fine producer, TJ DeSantis, John Anna saying so long for now. Until next week, enjoy the fights. Don't text and drive. Yo, fucking later. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast is a TJ DeSantis production. Its content is intended for private use only. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let sports garden 
Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.